Shall we uh, come together in prayer before we look at the word? Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for what you have revealed to us through it. And we thank you for what we see of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we look at it together now, that what we don't know you would teach us, what we haven't seen you would show us. And we pray that we would be blessed by your word this evening. We ask this for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, our Amen. When I was uh, living in Weymouth in my junior school, there was a bit of a tradition. I, I imagine it's probably a, a popular tradition. Um, but the year six class that is leaving and going on to secondary school uh, would take an assembly for the rest of the school. And uh, it was almost like a parting gift. Uh, well, uh, when I was in year six and about to move up to secondary school, uh, that's what we did. And um, there were three scenes to our... Uh, assembly and I was one of the three people picked for the starring role and uh, what would happen was uh, a number of my classmates would be attempting to do something there were three different scenes and in each scene they'd be attempting something different and uh, they were struggling and they would try and they would fail and they'd try and they would fail um, and then they would they'd say something like oh I give up I can't do it any you know I can't I, I can't be bothered trying anymore and, and then me and the others who were picked for this role, we would take it in turns to go into one of the scenes. And we were Persevere, that was our name, Persevere. And uh, when Persevere would come into the, the scene, he would give some good advice. Uh, they would then try again and they would succeed. And then we would end the scene, each scene, with uh, the, the famous line, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. Uh, and that was what impact Persevere had on each of those scenes. Well, this evening, uh, I want us to look at four scenes and uh, we want, we're going to see the impact that Jesus Christ had. Uh, far greater impact than Persevere, uh, but hopefully a helpful little thing there uh, to just put your mind uh, to understand uh, what we're going to do this evening. Four scenes, uh, we see what the situation was like before the Lord Jesus Christ and what it's like afterwards and then we will uh, apply it at the end. Uh, so uh, four accounts, four stories, um, as we read it, it all flows nicely doesn't it uh, from one to the other and uh, we see these, these four incredible things, four miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll look at them all individually and we'll see the similarities um, in them. So starting from verse uh, 35 of chapter 4, yeah, they're all very well-known stories. Uh, but this perhaps is one of the, uh, the more well-known ones, that Jesus calms a storm. He's there in a boat and uh, he's with his disciples. And uh, let's not forget that some of these disciples were fishermen before they were called to be disciples. Um, they were used to these waters. They were used to... Uh, being out on the, on the water, they were used to being out in a storm even. And they're crossing over to the other side and on their way, a big storm happens. Uh, and we read that it is, it's, a, it's a great storm. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. 
we see that there is a, a great storm and these sailors, these um, hardened sailors, are panicking. There's a great fear. Uh, it says that the boat was already filling. Um, I imagine they would have been trying to bail it. They would have been doing all they could. They would have been going in their own strength and their own might to try and uh, get rid of the water. And then they, uh, they realize that Jesus is asleep. He's still asleep. So they go down and they wake him up. And that's where we're going to end for now. Uh, so that's what it's like before Jesus. There's this great storm and these uh, strong men, these fishermen, these hardened men, uh, they are in the middle of this great storm. Uh, they're in, in danger. Uh, there's a great fear. I watched a film uh, just the other week, uh, In the Heart of the Sea, it's called. Uh, it's quite a good film. It's based apparently on a, uh, it's one of those based on a true story and you wonder how much of it is based on a true story. Uh, but it's the story which inspired the story of Moby Dick. And they were out at sea, uh, these whalers, they were going to kill whales. And apparently there really was a, a whale that was almost the guardian of the whales and attacked this boat. And uh, we were, Beth and I were watching it, my wife, and uh, just to see the just vastness of the water. And there they are. And the water's coming in, there's a storm happening, and they were, they were alone. Uh, you know, they were bound to die. Uh, incredibly, they didn't. Uh, but it's the same here. Uh, they're on their own. There are other boats around, but they're unable to help. We see that they are uh, completely helpless. There is a helplessness. They've tried, and yet there is nothing else that they can do. They're fearful. So that's the first one. And then we come to our second scene, and uh, we read that they, they get to the other side. Uh, we see what happens a bit later on. Uh, they get to the other side and uh, there's a new scene and uh, there's a man there who has an unclean spirit. He's living among the tombs uh, and, and he is filled with these spirits. Jesus asks his name, doesn't he? And he says, uh, Legion, for we are many. There's many evil spirits inside of this man. And... Uh, to get the, the background of this, there's this helpful little uh, statement of how he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. Again, uh, we see a, a huge problem, that here's a man who has lots of uh, demonic forces inside of him and uh, he's helpless. There's, there's nothing that he can do. He's uh, he's living among the tombs. He's cutting himself with rocks night and day. But not only he is helpless, but the other people around him are helpless as well. Many times they tried to uh, tie him up, get the impression that perhaps there was a violence there, and they were trying to protect themselves. And they would bind him with, uh, with chains and other things, and uh, he was so strong that he was able to break them apart and no one was able to subdue him. Nobody was able to take him over. Nobody was able to defeat him. There's a completely helpless situation again. And we're left with this, this new scene and yet the same problem of a helplessness. 
of people in trouble. And there's nowhere for them to turn. Well, a bit later on, we've got a third scene. And uh, we, we pick this up in verse 24 of chapter 5. There's a great crowd following him as he goes to the house of Jairus. And there's a woman who has had a discharge of blood for 12 years and had suffered much under many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. There's a, a great parallel, isn't there, with all these other stories. There's just this, nothing's helping, nothing's getting better. The more they try, the worse it gets. And this woman, this poor woman who's had this, this illness for, for 12 years, she suffered, that's the word, that she suffered greatly. Suffered with ill health and suffered under doctors. And again, we see a helplessness. She's helpless. There's nothing that she can do. There's nowhere else for her to turn. The doctors are helpless. They've tried all that they can. And she's got no more money left to spend on anything else. And she's getting worse and worse. But there's more, isn't there, to this story than just this illness. I'm sure you would be aware that these... uh, these things are written in, in the days of the Jews uh, down in, in, in Israel and uh, this woman would have been ceremonially unclean. She wouldn't have been able to go into the temple. Uh, not only is she ill physically but spiritually she was ill as well. She was unable to go and worship God in the temple. And so there's a greater illness to this woman as well and she is helpless She would have longed to have got rid of this illness, not only so physically she'd be better, but so she could uh, be welcomed back into society, no longer be an outcast, and she would be uh, clean again and able to go into the temple. And then we reach the last scene. We're introduced to it before the third scene, at this ruler of the, the synagogue, Jairus by name and uh, here he is a man of power a man of wealth and he comes before Jesus and he falls at his feet and he explains the situation my little daughter is at the point of death his daughter's dying she's sick she's ill and then we we read that after this encounter with this woman uh, some people from his household come to him and deliver him that news I'm sure he was dreading. She's dead. I admire this man a little bit. And I think, well, what would I be like in his situation? Now, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us everything, but the Bible never once says that he was getting impatient. Now, could you imagine that you've come to Jesus and you've, uh, you've laid out your case and he starts to follow and then this happens where this woman uh, interrupts and he stops. Uh, and you know your daughter's dying. How would you react? I think I'd be, um, sorry to interrupt Jesus, but, you know, she's better now. Come on, can we go? Uh, Trying to almost hurry him along, but uh, we don't read that he does that. Instead, he stands and he watches, and then he receives this terrible news. Your daughter is dead. A man who is already helpless uh, is even more helpless. And Jesus goes with him to the house, and we read that it's not only... The family that are helpless, but the 
the other people round about, they're helpless as, as well. They have, they have nothing to say. They have uh, nothing uh, to, to help with. All they do is they weep and they wail loudly. That's all they can do is just uh, pour out their emotion. You see, in all four of these scenes, we see a helplessness. They're all in different situations. They're all in different circumstances. And yet every single one of them is helpless. Helpless in the face of great storms. Helpless in the face of oppression. Helpless in the face of illness and sickness. On spiritual health. And helpless in the face of death. There's a helplessness all around. But there's one man, isn't there? There's one man. And all four of these accounts are changed dramatically by this one man. And this is why I love open air work. Because this for me is a picture of open air work. Because I meet many people in many different situations and they feel helpless. And they feel like there's nowhere to turn. Perhaps they're going through a storm in their life and... It just feels like wave after wave and everything's breaking apart and they don't know what to do. Or then there's those who are under the influence of, of different things. There's those who are under the influence of drugs or alcohol. There's those who are under the influence of another person. As this man was under the influence of these demonic forces, uh, he, was, he was a slave to them, wasn't he? And I meet people who are in similar situations. I meet people who are unwell and ill. I meet people, everybody I meet is spiritually unwell. And I meet people who are facing death. The other week I was in London for a, an event down there and uh, we met many people. And uh, it's, it's, it's unusual really to meet people who are so open about the fact that they are terminally ill. I'm sure I've met many people who are terminally ill, but not all of them will admit it. But over this one week, we had five people who spoke to different members of the team who said, I'm terminally ill. At some point, within the next couple of months, even weeks, I'm going to die. And they're helpless. There's nowhere for them to turn. And as we go out onto the streets, we go and we preach one man. And he's the answer. Uh, and in all four of these uh, scenes, as I put it at the beginning, uh, we, we see that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of them in their helplessness. So going back to the first one, uh, Jesus uh, is asleep at the bottom of the boat. Uh, there's this great storm going on around and uh, these, these disciples are afraid, they're fearful and they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. They wake him up. Teacher, do you not know that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Isn't that amazing? I was on beach mission a couple of years ago. And uh, we do morning games. Then we have a lunch break. Then we do a little afternoon session. And... Uh, on the lunch break, I was, um, I was just talking with a friend and we were facing the sea, looking out to the horizon and there was a little girl 
probably about four years old, uh, maybe a little bit older, and she was stood right on the edge of the waves as they were lapping in. Uh, but she didn't want to get her feet wet. And uh, I'm sure you can picture it, you know, she's all hysterical as these waves are coming in. Uh, and there was clearly a line that she felt they shouldn't cross. And, uh, and as they were coming, they'd get past that line and she'd say, stop, stop. And she'd take a couple of steps back and then she would step forward again. And, and you know, not one of those waves listened to her. Uh, just these little waves lapping in. And she was helpless. As these uh, fishermen were helpless in the face of these great waves. And yet Jesus, with just a few words, and immediately there is calm. Such great power. At the beginning of the story, there is, well, at the beginning of the storm, uh, there, is, uh, there is fear. There is uncertainty. There is, uh, there is a storm. But after the Lord Jesus Christ, there's safety. There's calm. There's peace. So they get to the other side and uh, we're introduced to this man and these demons within him. Uh, and there is a, there's an oppression, there's a slavery. Uh, and he's faced with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and they, they know who Jesus is, don't they? The, these, these spirits. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? They know who this man is. And uh, with a word, they come out, don't they? This man, who has a, a legion of, of demonic forces within him, they leave him, they enter the pigs, the pigs drown, the herdsmen go off, and, uh, and what do they see when, when the people of the village come back? Verse 15 of chapter 5, When they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind that's what the Lord Jesus Christ brings he brings freedom he brings release to a man who was uh, under the rule of somebody else to the man who was uh, not in control of himself to a man who was helpless there is freedom and release and peace well they get back in the boat and they go across to the other side, and um, Jairus meets them, and then this, this, hap this uh, episode happens with this woman, uh, and uh, as we said, she was helpless, uh, she was unclean, she was ill, uh, and just a touch of the garments of Jesus Christ. And we read immediately, uh, I, I have the ESV here, it says, the flow of blood, uh, but when Ian read it, it said, the fountain of blood. I thought that was, that was uh, great. A fountain of blood. It, it shows us the, the problem that she was in. Immediately, it dries up. She suffered for 12 years under the hands of men. She's given all that she had to these people. But one touch of the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and immediately, she's healed. Immediately, she felt within her body that she was healed of her disease. She was ill. She was sick. She was unwell. And those three words are perhaps understatements. And yet, when Jesus is there, what does he bring? He brings a wholeness. 
He brings healing. He brings health. And with that, there's a spiritual cleansing. This woman would now be able to go into the temple. She would now be able to uh, be welcomed back into society as the, the man that we met, met in the previous account as well. Welcomed back into society and able to come before her, go- her God in the temple. And then the fourth story, uh, faced with death and helplessness in the face of that. And yet Jesus Christ takes her by the hand. Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. I was talking to my dad about this. Um, it was last week we were talking uh, over, over a meal at Father's Day. And um, we were talking about, you know, Abba Father means that we can call, call God. Uh, in effect, it, it means daddy is what we would say. It's, it's a personal uh, relationship with the father. And he was saying that this one in the, in the original Greek, it, it's almost as you and I would go and wake up a, a child. I haven't got any children, but I have a nephew. And I went to wake him up a couple of months ago. And, uh, you know, it was, come on, little man, it's time to wake up. It, it wasn't a, I say to you, get up. It was, Logan, come on, up you get, it's time to wake up. And apparently that's, that's what Jesus is doing here. Come on, sweetheart, up you get. You know, you've been asleep now, but it's time to wake up. There's a gentleness with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this girl who is dead is alive and returned to her family. We see that Jesus Christ has incredible power. We see that in all four of these uh, stories, in all, in all four of these accounts, where there was once helplessness, where there was uh, storms, where there was uh, fear, where there was uh, illness, where there's death, there is now life, there is peace, and there is a spiritual cleansing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So just uh, to close, just a few little points of application. I think we see ourselves in here. If you, if you haven't, then let me point you out. You and I are in all four of these stories. Because you and I, before God, we are those who are spiritually unclean. We have broken God's commandments. We have fallen short of his standards. We are those who are are of the world. We are under the influence of Satan. We are uh, naturally by birth. We are those who are far from God. Uh, We are those who uh, are going through the storms in life. We are those who uh, are under uh, the temptation of the devil. We are those who are prone to sin. We are far from God and spiritually unclean. We are dead before God. And yet there's, there's a great message here. Because it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is the answer to all of those things. And if you have not put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a person who is at the very beginning of, of each of these scenes. You are, you are helpless. When it comes to trying to get through life, when it comes to trying to get to that point of peace, and I would see that as heaven, to try and get to uh, past uh, the things of this world to a point of peace, uh, we're, we're, we're helpless. 
There's nothing that we can do, as these disciples could do nothing to save themselves in this storm. So you and I can do nothing to save ourselves. We can do nothing to get right with God. And we are dead, and dead people can do nothing. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world that he might suffer and die so that we could be brought back to God. So that you and I could know that peace. So you and I could know that release from Satan. So you and I could know that cleansing, that wholeness. So that we could know eternal life. If you've not put your hope and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I would ask, what's your answer to these problems? What's your answer in the face of death? What's your answer to getting right with God? Because there are no other answers. But there's one answer that is open to all of us here this evening. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that brings peace. He's the one that brings release. He's the one that brings uh, cleansing and, and, and eternal life. And if you would put your hope and trust in him, then you would know that for yourself. As these people knew it, so you can know it too. Uh, but secondly, uh, there's four stories. Uh, in three of them, it's the person that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really my first point of application, that if you haven't come, then you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for his help. Cry out in faith. But the last one, it, it, who is it that comes to Jesus? It's the Father, isn't it? He, he has faith. He knows that Jesus can help. I, I would guess he's probably his, his last port of call. He's probably tried everything else. But he has, he has the faith that Jesus Christ can help. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. He knows that Jesus can help. So he brings somebody else before Jesus. And those of us that have put our hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us that do know that cleansing and that eternal life in him, well, there's a challenge here for us, isn't there? To bring others before him. That we're to come before the Lord Jesus Christ and pray for those who do not know him. And to bring him to them. To bring the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. To live out the life of a Christian before them. And to bring them before the Lord Jesus Christ. But thirdly there's a great encouragement. And I think in each of these we see a glimpse of heaven. You see... Uh, while we live here on the earth, there are things that will go wrong. There will be storms in our life. There will be, uh, there will be temptations from the evil one. There will be uh, sickness. There will be, uh, there will be death. And yet, in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is an overcoming of all of them things. Jesus Christ has overcome the storm. He has overcome the demonic forces. He has overcome the sickness and the illness. Uh, of the woman and he, he overcomes death in this story and of course we know he overcame death himself by rising again from the dead and I think there's a great picture of what heaven will be like that each of these stories shows us at the end a peace and a calm it shows us a life without the storms it shows us a life without the demonic forces it shows us a life 
without sickness and a life without death. And I think there's a, a beauty here where we can see a little glimpse of heaven. That place that which is ours in him. So be encouraged Christians that there is a heaven to come. A heaven where all the things of this world will pass away. And yet the peace and the calm that the Lord Jesus Christ brings. The eternal life that he brings will be what we will experience for eternity. Amen.